welcome to another episode of Us Anxious Folk. I am very excited for today's episode because I'm speaking to um, someone who I feel like is a friend already. I was actually going back through my Instagram post to find when we started talking and I actually don't think it was that long ago, um, but I feel like we've been friends for ages. So I have Holly on the show. Um, She is from Humboldt, Nebraska. I feel very cool saying that. (laughs) Um, And she is one of the loveliest ladies I have had the pleasure of meeting. She's um, a beautiful human and I will link her Instagram in the show notes so you can check it out. But now I'm going to just let her talk and say hi. (laughs) That's sweet. Hi. Hi. Hello. It's good to finally um, talk to you. I mean, we've spoken so much, but not in this kind of format. So yeah, this is, this is new for me. So it's a little terrifying but very exciting and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just so um just eager to see you know what comes from this and you know as far as what people take from this as well as you know what emerges from us to talking as well mm-hmm. that's one of the big reasons that I wanted to do this interview with you because from when we started talking we've sort of gotten a bit more comfortable like it was just sort of Instagram messages and then mm-hmm. we send each other videos and things like that and um some of the things you say to me in your videos just astound me. You have this level of insight and I'm like, people need to hear this stuff. Oh. <laughs> and so I think it's really important that you, you know, you have a space to talk because you really, you've been through some stuff and you mm. always have the most incredible perspective on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, I think because you are so genuine and real and honest, it, it allowed me to be vulnerable and kind of discover that just, just from talking to you, I I discovered, you know, what it really truly feels like to open up to someone who gets it. And you suddenly feel, you suddenly feel safe and like, um, that you can you can trust that person and because um, it's it's just it's hard it's hard to talk to anybody that you sur- you know surround yourself with um, a lot of people just don't get it yeah. and and that's okay um, but it just makes it hard to feel connected to anybody mm. um, and so through our connection I have really discovered a lot and you've really helped me kind of find that courage and. Um, Good. I mean, and, you help me. So. You like okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And to help someone else through it too um, is just even better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, can you, um, let's start how we always start. <laughs> Tell me your anxiety <laughs> story. Okay. So, just to give everyone just a little bit of background of, you know, kind of like life before anxiety, just to give you a picture of what my life was like. So I grew up in a small town in Kansas, United States. Um, I had a very fun and loving childhood, um, loving parents. I was in sports. I had lots of friends. I went to church, lots of like church events and just like community wide events. Um, I was captain of my dance team. And my cross-country team, I was a homecoming queen candidate. I mean, I just, I just, I had lots of um, 
um, what's the word, not, not success, but just, um, I can't think of the word. <laughs> I wish I could help you out with the word, but I've just woken up. So <laughs> my brain's dead. <laughs> um, just you, feeling, you had a really lovely life by the sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, just, just feeling like I belong. That's the word. Like I yeah. felt like I belong. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then it wasn't until I got to college, um, you know, of course, college was okay for me. I, I really focused on my studies. I also tried to find, you know, my, my partner. Um, so I was trying to date at the time. And um, I graduated college with a science degree. I got a job in my field within six months. I got married. Um, of course, this was last year. But then it's, I'm just trying to show you the picture that on the outside, I look very happy and I look very healthy. Mm-hmm. But is the exact opposite on the inside. And so that's where it's hard because it's hard to open up because you, you're so afraid that other people are going to say, well, you, you have it all together. I mean, you have everything and you're, you know, you seem fine. Yeah. And it's, so it may, it, it just, it makes it so much harder to open up and say, but this is how I'm really feeling. And this is what's really going on. Um, so I think that's where I started to kind of hide a lot of, feelings that I was going through but um so I'm currently 29 um but around the age of 24 um this was just a few months after I graduated college um I started experiencing those bizarre feelings of dread and doom Mm. I could not put those words to it at the time but I just felt like something bad was going to happen all the time um I remember feeling so nervous for absolutely no reason. I was sick to my stomach. I would be sitting on the couch trembling from head to toe and not having any idea how to stop it. Nothing helped. I had to force myself to eat every day. Um, and I suffered insomnia for months. Um, I hid all of this from everyone, even my parents who I was living with at the time because I had no idea um, how to explain it to them. It wasn't until one night I experienced my first full-blown panic attack. Um, It was so severe, I thought I was dead. And I ended up in the ER where they just gave me a shot of something and I went home with nothing resolved. Um, So knowing what I know now, looking back, I was severely depressed and, and had gone through all the stress of school and Um, I was just had all that caged up and I was just I was also in a constant state of fight or flight and was also experiencing depersonalization and derealization where nothing seems real. Um, I finally went to a doctor and I just remember I kept telling her I just don't feel like myself. So she prescribed me Cymbalta which is an antidepressant but I was so vulnerable and desperate at the time I just did what my doctor suggested and I ended up getting off of it two months later because it wasn't working for me. I had severe withdrawals for two and a half months. Mm. Um, I was also prescribed Ambien, which is a heavy sleeping pill, um, which finally helped me get some sleep, but I had the most disturbing and vivid dreams every single night that made it impossible to even want to sleep. 
Um, I also suffered from sleep paralysis, and I don't know if you've ever heard of that mm-hmm. or yeah. know what that Very. is. You do. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's terrifying. And I, looking back, I, I realized, I think it was like all that fear I was experiencing like had to go somewhere. Yes. And I think yes. that's why I was experiencing that. Um, so I finally withdrawed off of that, and that took me about six months. Um, after all this started, or after all this, I started seeing a um, faith-based therapist where I realized as I was explaining to her, you know, the last year of my life leading up to this, I went through a lot of trauma that um, I hadn't even really had the time to process and heal from. Um, So for example, I had just gotten out of a very toxic relationship with a guy Um, I was in a car accident. There was some heavy stuff going on in our family. Um, I failed my state license board exam twice um, before finally passing it. Um, And then I had to wait several months before um, I got a job in my field um, while living with my parents. So all of this while like watching all my friends I grew up with thrive and... Mm -hmm. Um, just have the time of their lives. And I, I truly didn't believe I would ever feel joy again. And I was so scared. I just was so scared. Um, so I started listening to biblical sermons online and I had this stirring in my heart for weeks that I wasn't right with God. I believed in him my entire life and I went to church and I tried to be a good person, but I didn't really know him personally or have a genuine relationship with him. Um, So the Bible talks about salvation, and I truly believe that it's a matter of, you know, surrendering and repenting our lives for him to move in ours and show us how to live a life that glorifies him. Um, I I realize that he isn't just a holy king that we should obey by his word, but that he's also a heavenly father that just wants a relationship with us. And, you know, I learned that because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we have the choice to accept him into our heart and believe he is our Lord and Savior. And so I did all that one night lying in bed. My hard heart cracked right open. I prayed and cried out to him to save me and asked for forgiveness over my sins. And I I remember I suddenly felt so warm and safe for the very first time in years. I had the best night of sleep that night. It was just, it was so overwhelmingly joyful and, and peaceful. It was so peaceful. Um, the next day, I felt different. I, I suddenly had this, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, just this um, conscious, I guess, that I, I stopped listening to certain music, I stopped cussing, I started reading and studying the Bible and praying every day while building a genuine relationship with them. Um, so anyway, a year and a half of this later, I stopped having panic attacks and depressive episodes and was truly enjoying life for the first time in a long time. I felt all the bad stuff was behind me. I was doing great at my job, and I was loving it. I was content being single because I had, you know, developed this loving relationship with God and truly felt satisfied. Um, I also lost a bunch of weight that I had put on in college, and I was actually smaller than I was senior year of high school, and I was just happy. Um, But then my job got a lot harder and a lot more stressful, And while I was trying so hard to perform, 
what I was being asked to at work. I was dealing with the same thing at church um, after saying yes to all these roles. Um, it was the most intense amount of pressure I've ever experienced. And after two years of this, I finally just broke um, the anxiety, the major depression, the severe panic attacks with dissociation came back. And this time they were even worse, lasting three to four hours long. Um, this is when it gets really just dark. So I tried asking my church for help and they would just tell me I needed to pray more. I needed to have more faith. I needed to devote even more time to the church. I needed to not miss doing my daily devotions. And I was just, I was just, I had never been so lost, so alone, so scared. Um, and right when this all started happening, I got engaged to my now husband and then the pandemic started. So I was already so lost, scared, and alone, and now I had to, now I had the added stress of planning a wedding while dealing with a global pandemic. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> yes. So October of 2020, I admitted myself to a mental hospital. Um, it, it's, it was basically like a hospital, but they had a, like a, they call it behavioral health department. Yep. It's still a locked unit, though. Um, and um, I did that because I was suffering a what my therapist called a psychotic break. Um, and it almost got me killed. I was so convinced the only way to end the pain and suffering was to kill myself. I was, I was actually at a family retreat at the time. Um, and I won't go into full detail of everything, but basically... Um, what ended up happening was my dad had to literally pull me away from trying to run into oncoming traffic. Um, so I was there for four days and they told me I had major depressive disorder with quasi psychosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if a whole lot of people know about psychosis. Um, but quasi means you're not like full blown psychotic where you are delusional and, and paranoid about things that you believe are true all the time quasi means you have these moments these or these psychotic breaks is what my therapist calls it and where I would be convinced that something is true like they can read my thoughts they can hear my thoughts or what if I'm splurting out stuff and I and I have no idea that I am and I mean it becomes physical um and they also um uh, gave me a diagnosis of social anxiety disorder, which then later they changed to panic disorder with agoraphobia. Um, but I still think the social anxiety is definitely there because of all the shame and judgment that I feel carrying all this stuff around me, or, you know, carrying all this stuff with me around everyone. I just, I'm so afraid they're going to judge me. Um, something's going to be revealed that they're going to know what I struggle with, um, any of my environment can easily trigger me, um, to having, possibly having a panic attack or some kind of episode. And, and there's the shame of that. And then the judgment of what they'll think or say of me. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and of course, toilet anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We laugh about it because it's so silly, but it's, it is so crushing. 
it's because it's it's um i mean it's just it's honestly it's just the physical symptoms that are accompanied by pant disorder so for me it feels like i'm gonna crap my pants it feels like what if i don't make it to the toilet in time Mm -hmm. and then my mind the, the ocd brain of mine will obsess over that thought and get so obsessed about it that it starts to panic thinking it might actually happen yeah and so then it becomes a disorder or i don't know if there's a toilet anxiety disorder but generalized anxiety i guess is what you would say with that but the disordered thinking distorted thinking that um just by thinking about it it could happen Hmm. and um so that's I, I I hope I didn't talk too long, no. um, but that's, I tried to um, explain, just give you my backstory and just everything I've experienced in the last, gosh, five years of my life in that yeah. summed I have up. To say, there's a work. lot, there's a lot that, um, that I felt like I was listening to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, good, there's yeah. so much that I feel like we parallel with each other and um, yeah. I, the thing that stuck out at me the most was um, going and getting on medication. And I think mm-hmm. when you go, when you finally go and get on medication, you are at breaking point and, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, I cannot take this a second longer. And then the hardest thing is they give you a medication that changes your physiology and makes you feel more uncomfortable than you felt before. Yes. And that's when I feel like you just think there's nowhere to go from here. You know, everything that's supposed to help yeah. is making me feel worse. And it's it's such a scary place to hit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And looking back, what I know now and looking back, um, I realize that a lot of doctors also don't really have that training. Yeah. They, you know, I wish that they would say, oh, let me refer you to a psychologist or a therapist who you can talk to and maybe discover some root issues. Yes. I really think that things would be maybe a little bit different if that had happened. And so I try to, you know, voice that to a lot of people experiencing that, you know, seek a therapist first and discover it might be treatable without medication, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe not, but there's, you know, it's, it's worth trying that route first um, just to save you money and time and, and energy and yeah. Um, yeah um, I remember know, thinking, I wish that they'd, um, I wish that they'd said, here's a membership for a yoga studio and <laughs> yeah. you know, like, here's a way to actually relearn your body instead of trying to run yeah. away from it and medicate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've, I'm learning now that um, a lot of fear and trauma gets, gets stuck in our bodies and it's a time where we really need to connect to our bodies again. Yes. And that's what I'm still working through now. I'm still learning that now. I'm still discovering mm-hmm. ways that I can do that. And it just it just takes time and it does. Um, trial and error and um yeah. It's it's a whole learning curve. I'm really grateful that you shared all of that because um I hope I didn't say too much. I just I was like, no. I just want I just want to, you know, get a, a big picture of of what I experienced and mm-hmm. um, and why I did and to mm-hmm. share the parts that 
um, are uncomfortable to share because you never know. Someone might say, oh, my God, I'm so glad that I'm not the only one. Yes. Yeah. And because well, yeah. we're we're young and healthy looking and we <laughs> never suspect that, you know, we go through this. And um, it just goes to show you that you really, truly never know um, what battle somebody is fighting even if they look like they are doing fine on the outside and yeah. Um, but that's, there, yeah. There was a lot there that was illuminating for me with you because since we started talking, like I knew a little bit of your backstory, but mostly we talk about, like I meet you where you are, you know, we talk about what we're doing today, what you're facing today, what fears you're having, but you know, there was so much of your story that I didn't know. And I have to say, I got a little bit teary at the end there because I so deeply feel that, um, what you said about feeling like you're carrying so much around other people and feeling like they're going to judge you. And it is, um, it's a lot. And yeah, I just, I, I feel really proud that you are talking so openly about this because I think, um, I think that the people we carry so much around are also carrying a lot around, but they don't feel like it's safe to talk about it. And I think the more yeah. we work to do this, the, the safer people will feel. So I'm, I'm happy that you're um, choosing to be open and vulnerable about it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Me too. <laughs> so um, I, I'm actually going to jump ahead with um, a question. There was another one that I wanted to ask you, but since yeah. you brought it up in um, – in your your story there I wanted to talk about your faith because I know for me you know I'm not Catholic or Christian or or I don't really fit the criteria of a religious person but I definitely have faith in something and I'm quite spiritual um and it's helped me a lot and so I'm really interested to hear I know you um spoke about it a little bit but your level of faith is is um really admirable and I I love how much you talk about it and how it helps you so talk me through that a bit like how does it change the game for you yeah so knowing that I grew up learning about God I grew up being told this is true this is what the Bible says I just I grew into that so it was comfortable it was familiar to me um and, but like I said, you know, it wasn't until I got into college and all that trauma happened to me and um, I, I realized I wasn't truly saved. And, um, and so going through that, I think, allowed me to focus on something much deeper than myself. And it, it like led me, it, I, sh- I got to shed everything that was hurting me and exchange it for God's love and um, and allowing that pressure to just melt off of me and learning from him and, and how to live. And, um, and I truly think that's like the genuine relationship with God, with, with the creator, with the divine. Um, and, um, but when it comes to pain and grief and loss and tragedy, 
you can get very confused and very um, lost and like, wait, I thought what I learned was true. I thought you were a good God. Why is this happening? I mean, just the questions start coming at you mm-hmm. and you don't know where to turn. You feel shameful for asking, um, you know, is God real? What's real? What's true? Um, and that was so hard for me to finally open up that I was suffering with doubting God in this time. And so for the past year, um, I've been, I still pray and um, kind of surrender that to him and say, God, I just, in the Bible, it talks about when you have, um, when you have an unbelief or a problem with believing in something, um, God knows that we're going to doubt him and we're going to ask questions in, in the Bible. He says, just pray to help your unbelief. That's what it says. Please help my unbelief. And so I've been praying that lately because I've, I've admitted that I've doubted him. I've doubted, um, everything. (laughs) And, um, so I'm still kind of walking through that right now, even just kind of waiting to see him move and, um, keeping the faith and the hope alive as much as possible, but still allowing that, that area to be gray, Mm -hmm. to be curious, to be open-minded, um, to just let things be how they are. And, um, because I could literally, I can think of maybe my worst day, you know, the worst day where you're, you're so broken and lost and empty that you think there's no hope. There's no way out there's um you're so confused and and lost and you feel so alone um that there's still a flickering light of hope in me yet even mm-hmm. I've come to found and come to find and I lean on that I lean on that little bit of light that's still in me when I have those bad days and think that um whatever's going to happen is going to happen and that's the whole meaning of faith is just trusting that whatever happens is going to happen and it's it's going to be good and um things might not happen the way we want it to Mm -hmm. or the way we pictured it but in the end we'll see that it happened for good reason and and that God has been there the whole time. And it's just hard to believe that when you feel the way you feel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so like I said, I'm still kind of walking through um, this journey, both with this, the psychology, the um, um, mental health part of things, and also the spiritual side of things. I'm just kind of letting everything be how it is and just taking a step back and being curious instead of um, judgmental or um, like black and white thinking, like all or nothing thinking, like it has to be this or not. And Mm -hmm. allowing to just be in the gray and, and say, I don't have it figured out. I, I um, don't know what I truly believe in right now. 
but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that blew my mind. That, there you go with your um, insights. That's amazing. I love that gray, you know, that space you said, that curious space, um, and that you're deliberately remaining open to that I think that's incredible because we do get so caught up in like it has to be this way and if it's not this way it means that I'm not being taken care of I think Mm -hmm. it's you know that exactly what you said that's the definition of faith of remaining in that place and just trusting and that's a hard place to settle in sometimes (laughs) it so is because you'll have I'll have like this critical voice in my head that's like but this is how it should be and or yeah. but you believe this but what about this but yeah. you know it's just the criticism and the frustration and the questioning the confusion just can just sort of start to grow mm-hmm. over that space in your heart where you're just like just take a step back breathe and let things be how they are and you will soon learn Mm-hmm. what's true and you will ser- soon believe in something but right now it's okay to kind of deconstruct that those beliefs and um allow genuine truth and genuine mm-hmm. growth uh, be there mm-hmm. if that makes sense <laughs> no amazing i love it and um, I know that in a lot of times we've spoken, you have come from that place. Like you'll talk me through a panic attack that happened to you that day. And it's funny because <laughs> you start with like, I had these thoughts and then it started escalating and it was this and it was that. And I can see that you're in that that panic place of trying to control. And then you always have this this faith part that'll come in where you're like, I remember how good people are. And I think of the people in line behind me and how, you know, they're actually good people and, and whatever happens today is going to happen. Like you said, and it, and then I can see that other part of you come in and soothe the scared part. And it's, I love watching that unfold. (laughs) That's good. That makes me me feel good. Yeah, yeah, I think you're amazing. I, I know with your toilet anxiety especially that that's been um, something that I've seen has helped you, you know, just that that unwavering faith of like if it happens, it happens and I'll I'll be okay. Yeah, I remember saying to you, um, I don't want to be known for what happens to me. I want to be known for how I react and handle what happens to me. Yeah. And because that's far more important yes. than just the hard parts of life happening to us. And yeah. um, it's, it's a lot more beautiful to have a little bit of that control that you can control how you react and come away from something that happened to you or whether it's painful or embarrassing or shameful or... Um, just confusing it's um I've just I've learned to it's so hard though it's it's so hard to let things happen um it's a lesson in uncontrol isn't it like because when you're driving and you're thinking like you know what if I crap my pants right now it's that 
like I'm trying to control the bad thing and stop it from happening so that I don't have to feel this and this and this and this. And, you know, it's, you really have to learn to go, I don't have control over that. And that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and I could honestly say that uh, I have never cracked my pants in all the times I've thought (laughs) I was going to crack my pants. Um, It just, it, that part, that part about it just like blows my mind that I worry about something that has never happened, but um, it's just like when it's the next situation, but it might happen this time. It didn't happen this time, but it might happen this time. Yeah. Yeah. And then your body's like, it's going to happen. You know, it's giving you those sensations like we're going to blow. And you're like, no. And something (laughs) my husband said to me, he was like, I think you should just let yourself crack yourself in in public one time and just see what happens. Yes. I'm like, (laughs) you don't get it. (laughs) Um, You know, and also challenging yourself. Um, So actually I had to go to the vet a couple days ago. This was Thursday or yeah, Thursday, I think. And as I was driving, you know, I, I was feeling nervous. I was, I, um, so when I feel nervous, I start to, my stomach just goes in knots and I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom right now. And I'm like, what if I don't make it in time? And all these things. And, but I chose to uh, park my car, wait a couple minutes, let the adrenaline kind of slow down a little bit, get myself together. And then I'm going to walk inside that and just ask for the bathroom right away. And who cares if they're thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> why does she need to use the bathroom right away? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, who cares? I'm a human being. We have to go. And and that was so relieving to me that I did that. I walked in and said, hey, wait, I need to use your restroom. And they directed me and I went. Mm. And and there's a fear in that too, fear of just like going in public yeah. places. I know that's a big one too. And of course, I feel the same way. I'm like, what if someone walks in right after I go? Yeah. yeah. Um, thank God for um, uh, toilet spray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for breeze. <laughs> um, and it's a humbling experience as well. I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like, you, you hit it when you said, um, you know, allowing yourself to be human. I think that's all it is with toilet anxiety is that we put this insane pressure on ourselves that we're not allowed to um, have bodily functions. And then yeah. it's just such a bizarre, you know, I, I always used to worry about asking to use the bathroom and it was baffling to me that I worried about that. Like they're not even, the people I'm asking aren't thinking about it. They're just saying, oh, it's over there you know but to me it was like this mm-hmm. as soon as I spoke about it it was like my face was covered in shame you know like mm-hmm. it was just I was suddenly naked and it's it's a whole there's a lot going on in there but it's you know I yeah. think once you start to unravel that and once you start to really open to it it um you realize that there's so much of it that isn't true you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah um I want to talk about you um and your I know when we first started talking, you were working as a group fitness instructor. Yes. Um, and I know that <laughs> you weren't loving that at the time. Oh, my God. The, 
the social anxiety, the agoraphobia, the toilet, the social anxiety, the toilet anxiety, and the agoraphobia all had just blown up in my face right when I started doing that. And it was like fighting for my life every single day. And yeah. I was like, this is not healthy. And I, I stuck it out for a year. Um, they're like, yeah, 10 months. And mm -hmm. I gracefully just... Well, I said, you know what? I can't do this. I'm, I really gave it my all, but I just don't think this is wise for me to to force myself. I need to baby steps, and and that helped. Yeah. I I don't regret yeah. leaving that job and focusing on my exposure therapy, um, because mm -hmm. now you know a few months, about six months later, I have a full time job, um, that I started yeah. in June, um. <laughs> And it's way less stressful, and it's not instructing a group of older ladies that have no idea about mental health. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. the the intimidation was real. I mean, yeah, it was horrible. It was so horrible. <laughs> I just it is. I know when when you and especially when you're newly dealing with agoraphobia, mm -hmm. panic attacks, toilet anxiety. Um, I think being in any workplace where you're sort of in view of people is really yeah. difficult um not yeah. to mention on stage in yeah. front of them what I find, <laughs> yeah what I find with um agoraphobia social anxiety toilet anxiety all of that is even if I'm not standing in front of people if I'm just at least in their view of sight like if they could easily like look up or turn their head I'm right there like that even still gives me yeah. anxiety I don't act yeah. on it as much now. I'm, I learned to not react to it and just kind of just let things be. I've gotten better with that. But yeah, standing in front of people is, is like I'm on a spotlight and I'm standing there naked. Like, I mean, yeah. that's how you feel. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it was um, – I know you stressed about leaving that job at the time, and I know that now you're doing something amazing. Yeah, I work one-on-one um, -on -one with people in their homes, um, so I love that. I love that I still get to, you know, have um, some some social interaction, but it's little bits at a time because um, I often, yeah. you know, their family will stop by, and I'll talk – you know, sometimes I'm talking to three people at once, and I'm fine. Um mm -hmm. The anxiety is still there. It's, you know, our, our brain doesn't forget, our body doesn't forget, but it's learning to yeah. um, just not react to it in that moment. And um, yeah. I'm also learning to um, give myself grace in the area where it's okay to excuse yourself. I am so bad at that. I am such... I wouldn't say now, but I, before I would say I was a huge people pleaser and mm -hmm. um, saying no to somebody or walking away when I didn't feel like maybe the conversation was done with felt like I was destroying their life <laughs> and yeah. I felt like I was doing something really wrong when now it's like, if somebody did that to me, I would totally understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like my, th I've talked to my therapist about it and she said, if it comes down to it, you can say like, well, my stomach, hey, you know, my stomach's not agreeing with me or I got to go to the bathroom. My stomach's not agreeing with me right now and kind of laugh it off. And that person will then not feel yeah. so awkward. Like, oh yeah, 
like they might even feel yeah. alone. Like maybe they're holding in a fart that whole time and they finally go <laughs> release it. <laughs> you never know. Uh, yep. Yep. Hey, maybe. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I um yeah, it's I I again I feel like we're the same person because oh. I struggle with that. I remember a while ago I had to do um like an online meeting with mm-hmm. someone. Um and I was terrified the whole time and I desperately needed the bathroom. And I think I said in the end, like, oh, my dogs are barking. Give me one second. They weren't barking. She could hear they weren't barking. <laughs> I just went and sat on the toilet. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go back there now. And it just, it was just crazy to me that I didn't say, hey, excuse me, I just have to go to the bathroom. You know? Yeah. Like, it's you know, just and that people pleasing people can thing. immediately think, oh, maybe she drinks a lot of water and just has to pee. I mean, it's, that, that happens. Yeah. 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 Things. <laughs> the way our mind works huh <laughs> but I um the reason I wanted to talk about movement with you is because I know that physical activity mm-hmm. is a big part of your life and yes. I'm interested to know after that experience of you know teaching this group fitness class did you then have to work hard to sort of refine the joy in yes in physical activity yes um so what I have found is that, of course, I still enjoy high-intensity workouts. I still enjoy running. I still believe that, yes, that's going to release good chemicals. We'll feel grounded. We'll feel in the moment in our bodies, connected, all that. But I've also found that um, gentle yoga or just um, some form of yoga can also do the same thing because what I think happens is if I'm moving too much, I then re kind of like reinforce my brain that I'm moving too much because I'm rushing because I'm in a, I'm in a fight or flight mode and I need to fight off the attack right now. And so it kind of like just keeps um, tricking my brain into thinking that I need to, I need to move because I'm in danger. So yeah, um, I've definitely have, have, have seen and have felt the need to um, do yoga instead because yeah like I said if I just if I'm moving too fast it just it, it overwhelms me and um, but um, yeah I think when you experience nerves or fear um, you know your body starts automatically releasing those endorphins um, or endorphins, <laughs> releasing um, adrenaline um, that's needed to fight off the anxiety or fight off, you know, any threats. Um, and of course, with anxiety, there are no major threats. We know that it's just perceived. Mm-hmm. So it feels real to us, but our brains are hardwired to activate the fight or flight system when any threats are detected, even if the if it's the irrational ones, like intrusive thoughts. Um, so, you know, we go do a run, we do a high intensity workout. It tricks our brains into thinking we have acted on this perceived threat. So it's safe now and we can, it can stop releasing adrenaline. I've learned that and I've found that to be true. Um, but like I said, gentle yoga, stretching, um, you're still moving, but you're not moving so fast to where it just, it, it keeps, adding fire to the your fuel to the fire (laughs) 
So yeah. 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 I, I definitely found the same thing. I think when I started doing exposure sessions, I was doing high intensity mm-hmm. workouts um, and it kind of helped to give me a bit of drive, I guess. And I would feel after a high intensity workout, I would feel too tired almost to panic. But then I realized I was still trying to avoid panic. That was the whole, yeah. you know, I was still uncomfortable with it. And it wasn't until I slowed down that I learned how to actually stop running from panic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I definitely feel like gentle is, is the way to go when it comes to healing your relationship with yes. your body and with your nervous system. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So um, talk me through your daily routine. So I'm still kind of working on this because, you know, I just started my full-time job in June. We just bought a house in July. We then got a puppy. (laughs) Um, So it's been a lot of changes, a lot of like just, you know, different routines to settle in. Um, But I would say first and foremost, eat nutritious foods that fuel you, um, you know, proteins and healthy fats and fruits and um, lots of vegetables, um, just simple, nutritious food, um, lots of water, and um, times where you can s- allow downtime, I call it, just downtime is crucial. Um, as far as like, um, of course, and then, you know, anytime you want to read or study the Bible or um, just do some meditation or journaling, it's, it's huge for me too. Um, it just, it comes down to, do you have the motivation and the drive to do it? <laughs> um, but I find that sometimes if you just start, even if you don't want to, it, it'll get there and you suddenly feel yourself immersed in it and um, you're, you're just feeling a lot more whole as a person. Um, Mm. I found with grounding myself physically, um, cold water on my wrist. And I told you a story about this when I was Mm -hmm. with my, um, one of my clients I take care of her family wanted to have dinner with us. And that's another triggering situation for me because when I'm nervous, I don't like to eat. And then when I eat, I get nervous. Uh, It's not going to agree with my stomach and all the things of just like, what if I need to use the bathroom? What if my stomach starts making all these weird, embarrassing noises? And, um, Mm -hmm. or the feeling of feeling trapped, like you suddenly cannot move from this table. And, um, anyway, so that's just a whole situation for me that I fear. And, I tried, I told you I tried getting out of it three times and this lady was <laughs> determined that I was going to stay at least have a glass of water. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't have a choice. And so I sat down yeah. and suddenly I just had this idea to rest my hand against the cup, the ice cup of water and mm-hmm. just the sensation of the cool on my wrist and then like lifting it away to where the warm when it warmed back up that was so relaxing to me I suddenly felt like okay now I now I can I have the the less nerves to now focus on my breathing 
because sometimes when I'm too anxious, I can't focus on my breathing. I, I just, I can just like, yeah. I don't even know what my, I don't even, do I, am I even breathing right now? Yes, I get and, that as well. <laughs> and so the, the wrist thing just helps me kind of like, okay, I can exhale. And then I'm like, okay, now focus on your breath. And then as I'm yeah. talking myself through it, I'm suddenly just like super present in that moment. And I started laughing with him. I started like telling Joe or like stories and, and we had a great dinner. And so, um, but then good old OCD comes in and it's like obsesses over the thought of what if it doesn't work next time? (laughs) Why do you have to do this to me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's a struggle, but like I said, trial and error and whatever happens is going to happen and you can't control the outcome of the Mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Surrendering. Also, (laughs) um, breath work and meditation. So I don't know if you've heard of Wim Hof. Mm. Yeah. Yes, my partner's been doing the cold showers. Yeah, so has my husband. He introduced me to him yeah. and he does this certain breath work where you you take in deep breath through your belly and then through your chest 40 times. And then mm-hmm. after the 40th time, you stop, you exhale, and then you hold your breath for as long as you can. Um, and I've gone up to a minute and 50 seconds which blows my mind that I could do that I could maybe wow. on yeah. average hold it for like 45 seconds um but it was ama- I was amazed at what my body can do um I haven't done it in a while yeah. but I every time I did it my brain just all the intrusive thoughts the racing thoughts just poofed gone and I was like mm-hmm. I'm actually enjoyed being in my body right now <laughs> like I don't want to run away from it right now <laughs> That's a huge um, And then meditation. Like, I love guided meditation. That's very um, grounding for me, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I try yeah. to include that in my daily routine. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the commitment and the drive has to be there. Um, for sure. And consistency. Because <laughs> um, I think over time, yeah. after you do it for a while, then you'll really see, wow. Like, this is amazing, yeah. but... And then life happens, you get in funks, and you don't do it for a few weeks, and... Uh, a worldwide yeah. pandemic breaks yeah. out, and, you know... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you get a really cute puppy. By the way, if you want to go see um, Holly's adorable puppy, go check out her Instagram, because she posts some really funny videos. <laughs> you have a really great sense of humor. That gives me so much joy to make those videos and yeah. and hopefully give other people a laugh. Yeah. I, I love them. Me and Anthony have, were watching them this morning. <laughs> you gotta have a sense of humor, you know. Um, yeah. Whether you have anxiety yeah, or not, life is hard. So, Yes. And on that note, what do you think has um, – what's been the most valuable – thing for you that's that's emerged through this anxiety journey like what have you found out about yourself um well first of all I just love the word emerge like (laughs) that has not been in my vocabulary and I was like I need to start saying that more emerge it just sounds so beautiful I mean it makes me think of like birth you know anything that's birds beautiful like whether it's a 
yeah. animal or a child or a flower. I don't know. <laughs> um, it has truly, it's shown me how brave, courageous, and resilient I truly am. That's what I have mm-hmm. found. And I believe that genuine compassion for other people has developed because of just all the pain I've experienced too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that. I got TV again. <laughs> I think I'm that's surprised I have, you too. I'm that's so surprised I, I haven't cried. I get so <laughs> just, I don't know. You know, it's like, I want to kind of be, just have a good composure of myself and, you know, and because I feel like once I cry, it's hard for me to stop. <laughs> it's like, yeah, once I yeah, cry, it'll it just. <laughs> It's all over. a sob fest and we don't really want that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um i i love a sob fest yeah. um i want to know i asked patrick the same question and i think this is going to be the question i ask mm-hmm. everyone um what would you say is what advice would you give to someone who is really struggling with agoraphobia panic disorder toilet anxiety you know someone who's in a mm-hmm. dark place what would be your advice to them so I believe, so whoever's listening to this, I believe that what you're going through is so painfully hard and I get it. We get it. And just having someone that gets it makes your world seem so much less small. Um, remind yourself daily that inner healing is not linear. And it's okay to have bad days when it seems like nothing is working or you've regressed. Um, I think that that's just an opportunity to get to know yourself better. Um, When you're really down, please reach out, Um, you know, whether that's your therapist, your family, close friend, one of us. please reach out and I would say surround yourself with a support system of people who love you, who inspire you, encourage you, and who don't judge you or try to fix you. Um, and find a quality therapist um, is, is definitely a worthwhile investment. Because um, they just ask the right questions. They They probe your brain to let you discover really beautiful things about life and yourself. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I would say, learn to love yourself wholly. And that means even the scary and painful parts of your journey, because I think they can be beautiful too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Holly, thank you yes. so much for being on the show. So I am so appreciative. You you are so valuable. I love the things that you say. Um, and like I said, I will link Holly's Instagram in the show description so you can go check that out. Um, she's just the best human as you. Yeah, I'm I'm just another person who gets it and um 
you know, if you need another person to listen to um, or talk to, I'm here. Thank you for listening to the Us Anxious Folk podcast, the podcast for the chronically overwhelmed, perpetually panicked, anxious folk in all of us. If you would like to find more about me, you can find me on YouTube at Lauren Rose or on Instagram at Lauren R underscore Rose.